Welcome, citizens of Gotham, to a delayed episode of The Fire Rises, a Batman podcast focusing on all things the Dark Knight and his world. If you'd like to connect with the show, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at TFRBatPod. And if you have thoughts, questions, comments, or maybe even suggestions for future episodes of the show, you can reach us by email at TFRBatPod at gmail.com. My name is Eric Carter, and I am your host, and we are here, uh, unfortunately, for for a somber occasion, but also a celebration of life. We are here today to celebrate the late, great Neil Adams. And when I say we, of course, I mean myself and my co-host, Mr. Joseph Fornerado. Joe, how are you, buddy? I'm doing good. Uh, it's uh, it's nice to get back here talking about uh, some Neil Adams and... Uh, yeah, I apologize. We're a little bit later than normal, but I am not sorry because uh, it is 100% my fault, but for a happy reason. Uh, I'm a, a hockey nerd as much as I am a comic nerd, and uh, I'm, I'm kind of deep into the NHL playoffs right now. So I apologize, but uh, I'm happy to say that we will probably have this problem a little bit further. So, <laughs> But uh, I'm glad we were able to get this going tonight, so it's not too late. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's no big deal. It's um it's it's not all your fault. I I had some delays myself where I couldn't record on the uh, one day in between Rangers games that you were available. <laughs> but but it's uh it's no big deal. Uh better late than never, but we uh, again, as I said, we're here to talk about Mr. Neil Adams, but before we get there, um that's the second time in as many episodes we have to acknowledge the passing of a legend. Unfortunately, um, before we were even able to record this Neil Adams episode, we learned that um, the amazing, the wonderful George Perez uh, succumbed or succumbed to his battle with cancer and has left us at the too early age of sixty-seven years old. So, Joe, man, we've lost yet another legend in just a short span of time. Um, it, it sucks. It feels like we're going to have to do this back to back. Yeah, it really does suck. Um, the The hardest thing with George Perez is we learned about it, I guess, I guess it was either early this year or late last year. And I, I give him all the credit in the world for, you know, he made his decision that he wanted to just not, you know, go through the chemo and everything. And he wanted to just try to, you know, he really just wanted to end his life as happy as he could without dealing with all that. And uh, it's a shame that he went when he did uh, way too soon for both of these guys that were, you know, uh, including Neil Adams. And, but for George Perez, man, I, I don't know if you've ever just heard him speak. My, my biggest thing with George Perez will be um, he did a, uh, he did an intro for the, everybody loves the Drake guys, uh, a great uh, Robin podcast focused more on Tim Drake. And he mm-hmm. did a great intro to them saying, everybody loves the Drake, especially the cakes. 
And I think and that is still one of my favorite things because it's so funny to me and so out of left field. And I remember the first time I heard it, I'm like, what is he talking about? That's and then great. I thought about it. And he just, he had so much energy just doing that little intro for them guys. And it was so much, uh, it's, it's really sad to see him go, but man, uh, what a, what a contributor to the, uh, to really DC comics in general. Um, it's, he didn't have as much soul focus on Batman as someone like Neil Adams, but with everything he did for DC comics, it's hard to not mention, you know, some of the Batman stuff he did. Well, uh, not only DC, I mean, I have to give credit to, to the Holy Batcast guys here. Um, because I did not realize that he was also part of, a major, major event on the other side of the fence with Marvel. Um, I guess maybe subconsciously I, I knew he was involved with Infinity Gauntlet, but I I had forgotten maybe. But yeah, the, to, to give credit to those guys, they mentioned that George Perez was not only involved in Crisis on Infinite Earths, which is a gigantic DC book uh, and, and changed the landscape of DC Comics, but he was also part of a major event that changed the landscape of, of Marvel comics. So that's amazing. I mean, just those two pieces alone, I think make George Perez hall of fame worthy. Oh, absolutely. And, and for his Batman work, most of the stuff he did for just Batman was his covers and man, mm-hmm. did he do some great covers for Batman. I, I was actually speaking to you earlier. Um, he did the covers for year three and a lonely place of dying. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's so fun. He he was a wonderful artist, a wonderful storyteller, and he will be sorely missed. Um, But to move on from one loss to another, uh, one that we had heard before George Perez, of course, uh, we're talking about the loss of Neil Adams. And we we already kind of talked about some memories of Neil on our on our Batgirl episode a couple of weeks ago. But today we're just going to kind of dive into the legacy a little bit, just have a little bit of an open conversation about Neil Adams, uh, the, the man and the artist. So uh, Joe, some contributions. I know, I know you've done quite a bit of research for this episode. So tell me a little bit about um, your thoughts on the contributions of Neil Adams and what sticks out the most to you. Well, as far as what sticks out the most for me, Neil Adams will always be, associated with Batman 251. I know that's the easy answer. It's the obvious answer and it's the boring answer. But to me, that has to be the answer. Like that's the first thing that comes to my mind when I think of Neil Adams. I'm sorry. It just is. I know you could go into Ra's al Ghul and, you know, his creation of that character with Denny O'Neill and even Man Bat. But to me, that cover of Batman 251 and, and the art in that book that's what I think of when I think of Neil Adams. I was lucky enough to meet Neil at Comic-Con and he signed a poster for me uh, with that cover. And uh, it's, that's, that is one of the best pieces of Batman art that to me has ever existed. Hey Joe, not to, not to rub salt in the wound, but have I, have I mentioned? Yes, (laughs) yes, I know, please. And I, I said, so the worst part about that is, is when I was at that con, I mm-hmm. had three books that I wanted to get. Mm-hmm. This was back in, I'm going to say 2013 or 2014. And the two books I really wanted, or three books I really wanted to get, I wanted to get uh, Batman 251, mm-hmm. The Sign of the Joker, and The Laughing Fish. Um, 
those are two detective stories um, at the end of Strange Apparitions by uh, Steve Englehart and Marshall Rogers. Mm. Uh, I was able to snag both of those. 251 I could only find, <laughs> and I'm kicking myself, for around 80 to 100 bucks. And I didn't want to spend at the time 80 to 100 bucks for that book. Some of them might have even been CGC graded for like 80 Oh, wow. And I had no idea what I was doing back then. Yeah. So I was like, no, nah, I really don't want to spend that much money. I had I had never had a CGC book before. So I, I snagged the other two for probably a total of like, I'm going to say 60 or 70 bucks for both of the other two, which is still a great deal even now. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time that was, that was, you know, decent. And I passed up on 251 and man, I've been kicking myself out ever since. But luckily I, I met Neil. Um, he was very nice to me and my wife. Uh, he personalized the the poster to us and I got to talk to him for a second and man, he, he really is the charmer. That's for sure. Yeah, and to just touch on how influential Batman 251 is. I mean, I've got uh I've got Go Collect pulled up right now and a 9.8 graded copy if you have that is worth fair market value is <laughs> rated at $31,000. Now, my copy is nowhere near a 9.8. So <laughs> Don't be too jealous, Joe. But <laughs> yeah, and I don't, I don't think the ones I was looking at are a nine point eight. But I, it, I it's still I would have taken a three now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, um, for sure. But it's you know hindsight is twenty twenty, unfortunately. But I I love my poster. I have it right in front of me. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, it's it's not the you know the collectors. It's not that collector's holy grail as um, the comic is, but it still means the world to me because Neil signed it, and uh, it's oh for it's sure. Different. Well, I told you last time we recorded. Um, you know, it's it's awesome to have that two fifty one, but his his copy of Detective one thousand means so much more to me because that that book ha- may not have any monetary value, but it's got a lot of sentimental value because I actually met the man and he signed it for me, and it's got you know. It's got his art on the front of it and more recent art. So it, it, that to me is, is way more cool than even owning, you know, one of these classic historic covers of a book is because I can look at that book and, and have memories of the exchange. So yeah, that's, that's just really cool. Um, but other than 251, you had mentioned a, a few others. Um, I, I think definitely the Ra's al Ghul issues of Batman and, and the creation of Ra's al Ghul will go down as probably one of the biggest key pieces of Neil's legacy. Wouldn't you say? Oh yeah, definitely. And I think the, the creation of man bat is the, is like the unsung hero there because yeah. we don't talk about that as much, but the Ra's al Ghul stuff is, you know, we're going to get into the Batman, the animated series stuff, but man, those two issues, um, that he's most known for is what is it? It's and I've been screwing this up all week. It's Batman two thirty two and Batman two forty four, I think, or is it two forty three? I, I right, I'm, I'm going to bring it up, but uh, it's it is as we knew it as kids as the Demon's Quest on Batman the Animated Series. Like those those two stories are so iconic that they almost did them like word for word. Um as much of a modern adaptation for the animated series. Mm-hmm. It's two forty four, by the way. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, it was it was amazing going back because there is some discrepancy in the comics because if you try to read the Batman title straight through, especially on DC Universe, there's some there's some jumps and gaps in the Roz story. Um, and you told me earlier, okay, yeah, there's there's some more pieces to that story, but it's not done by Neil Adams. Um, you know. Uh, Denny O'Neill still wrote it, but it had different artists. So it kind of, it, it jumps around a little bit, but yes, what we have of uh, the demons quest in, in the animated series. And like you said, we're going to talk about that later. They it It's almost a, a straight adaptation, which is really, really cool. And it shows you again, how influential Adams and O'Neill were. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, it's, I think uh, it, I know that you had some other issues that you had pulled out and told me about. So tell me about a few of those, Joe. I read uh, Batman Black and White number one from 2013, mm-hmm. which um, he did a short story in that called Zombie uh, or Batman Zombie. Mm-hmm. And that is a really quick. Um, it's like a. <laughs> it's definitely a like an artistic story. It's not your typical Batman story. Mm -hmm. It's, it has a lot to do with, um, how do I put this? (laughs) Did you read it or no? I did not. Okay. So it's, it's using like the zombie, uh, character as a metaphor with some stuff with, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, it has to do with like, people are arrested for like really petty crimes and they're in jail because of, of I'm stumbling on my words here, but it's like someone would get arrested for like uh, selling weed for argument's sake. And they're Mm -hmm. in jail and Batman's in jail with them. And he's like, Oh, you'll get out soon for that. And they're like, no, like it's my third offense. So I'm in here for, you know, 15 years, seven years on good, uh, good behavior behavior. And Batman's like, well, that doesn't make sense. And like, it just kind of snowballs into different like quick stories with that. And it's all about Batman coming to terms with the fact that he has to use, I think, and I'm, again, I might be confusing a couple stories, but I think it's more about Batman trying to use Bruce Wayne for good gotcha. on, on stuff like that, as opposed to just using Batman, I guess, like a zombie. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, that's a quick one. That's one of those, you know, collected editions on, the black and white stories, which are, were always a really fun thing. Nice. Um, did you read any of the other ones from that era or from the tradition, from the classic era, not from, you know, the more recent stuff. So mostly what I read, I did, I did dive into the Roz stuff and I bounced around to some of that. And then I reread two fifty one cause I had not read it in a long time. That was so much fun, but I actually dove a little bit outside of Batman, but still stayed in the, in the DC world. I definitely perused my absolute of um, Green Arrow, Green Lantern, mm-hmm. which I think uh, was the absolute doesn't have that title, but I think it was the um, hard traveling heroes. Yes. Yeah. And that's, that's really good stuff. Uh, I had read it oof, about a year ago now. And talk about, I mean, we've talked about how how career-defining some of the Batman stuff was. I would argue that Green Lantern and Green Arrow were just as career-defining for O'Neill and Adams. I mean, that, that, that book had some heavy tones at times and had some, you know, just 
kind of ground groundbreaking stuff for the comic book genre when they were writing it. Uh, it addressed, you know, drug use and just domestic violence and race. And it just, it, it touched on a lot of things that people were not talking about, especially in comics at the time. So yeah, that's, that's one that I really dove into just kind of outside of Batman. Have you ever read those Joe? Yes, I did. I read them last year. I think around the time you got the absolute, I went back and read them Mm -hmm. uh, on DC universe. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're not your run of the mill comics. Uh, and I would say you definitely have to be in a mood for something like that, but man, it's, it's really strong stuff in my opinion. Uh, but yeah, that's, there's so much, uh, of Neil Adams and especially when he's paired with, with Denny O'Neill that you can dive into, but he didn't just stick with Denny O'Neill. I mean, he's got a lot of, he's got a lot of history. Uh, just, uh, he had a series of, uh, dead man. I don't know if you ever saw or read any of those. But he he did uh, no. he had a dead man run he had a specter run uh, he just he touched all kinds of parts and pieces of of the DC universe and the Marvel universe but we're we're kind of sticking DC today um, even as recently and and I'll be honest I haven't read much of the recent Neil Adams stuff um, but he he had a recent series called Batman versus Ra's Al Ghul going back to that original character that he helped create. Uh, he had Batman Odyssey a few years back, so yeah, he's he's really stayed busy in the comic book world over the over the last several years. So it's just just man, what what a loss and what a legend. Yeah, it's a shame. I I tried reading Batman Odyssey because I had never read it before, and I I actually dove deep into his interviews with Kevin Smith. I listened to all five hours last week of his uh, interviews with Kevin Smith. I had listened to the first interview years ago i never caught the second part Mm -hmm. um so it's actually two separate interviews so he spoke for three hours the first time and then two hours for the second interview and he is a fascinating person to listen to i i will just say that um he is a brilliant storyteller he admits in certain cases that you know he does enjoy being a storyteller so um he might change things up a little bit for the sake of the story Mm -hmm. (laughs) but uh he he spoke he was very proud of batman odyssey and he he tried to bring to put across how batman odyssey is written like a like a regular book it's not like a graphic novel or not like a comic book so he said you're reading the beginning and it's not going to make sense until you get to the end and then it all comes together and then you'll look back and say oh i get it now i applaud that thinking and i respect it but as someone who tried to read the first few issues, I just couldn't get into it that well. And I wanted to read some other stuff of his too. Mm-hmm. And it's a long book. It's like 12 issues. So uh, I didn't finish Batman Odyssey. I am going to eventually try to do that. And <laughs> But I, I would love to hear if anyone has read that and, and what they thought of it once they got through it. Yeah, and the same goes for Batman versus Ra's al Ghul because I haven't read that one either. Um, and I, the same thing, I had tried to to do Odyssey, and it just it just wasn't you know for me. Um, and so then when Batman versus Ra's al Ghul came out, I thought it may be much of the same. That's on me. Maybe it, I I would love to hear from any of our audience members who um, maybe have read both of these books and, and give us some fresh perspective on it, but. 
regardless of what you think of those, it doesn't um, one way or the other affect the the great legacy of of Neil Adams. Um, and I and I would be remiss to mention, as others have said about him, um, not just his amazing works on the page, but in the comics world in general, because he was a champion and a fighter for creators. And I think you can't talk about Neil Adams and his legacy without mentioning that, because I think a lot of artists and and creators today owe a lot of what they get to Neil Adams and people like him who fought for, for their rights and, and how hard they work and, you know, just to get that recognition and, and the praise, not necessarily praise, but just, the success that they've earned through their work, I think is, says it best. Um, and I, I really respect Neil even more f- for his contributions in, in comics, what he's done for creators, I think is paramount. Yeah, absolutely. And and if anyone is more interested in that, um, definitely check out those interviews with Kevin Smith. Cause he dives really deep into some of that stuff. Um, specifically with, uh, Joe Schuster and, um, uh, Siegel. Well, I would, I can't remember his first name. Jerry um, Siegel. Yes. Um. Sorry. Uh. Thank you, Jerry Siegel, for uh the creation of Superman and and them getting their their fair shake for that mm-hmm. because that was that was a lot of Neil and 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 hearing some of that story is really cool. Um. Jerry Robinson plays a part in it too. Um. Really, really interesting stuff. And again, he's he's fascinating to listen to, even if it like he could just sell you on anything. He's just a great speaker. Um. You know, it is five hours long. It's it's a long investment, but if you have time to kill and just put it on whenever you get a chance, it's it's really nice stuff. That's awesome. But, I'm gonna I'm gonna have you send me the link to that, Joe, and I'm gonna put it in the description um, for this episode. So if people want to find it, I'll just make it easy for them. That link will be in the description uh, below this podcast. So check that out. I haven't checked yeah, it out perfect. yet, but I I absolutely want to. So yeah. Um, I think that's I think that's where we're going to put a pin in our conversation about the great Neil Adams. Uh, I can't believe he's gone. He will be sorely missed. Uh, But we're going to uh, we're going to slightly move on. But we're not really done talking about the contributions of Neil Adams yet, because we're about to get into this week's two episodes of Batman, the animated series. Okay, Joe. So we uh, we made a call to, to do a little swerve this week since we were honoring uh, the late great Neil Adams, and we decided to throw out the random order just just for this week for Batman the Animated Series and our 30th anniversary celebration of that. And we chose this week's episodes, and we did the two-parter, The Demon's Quest. So, Joe, um, just a little synopsis. Uh, at the beginning of the first part, Robin is kind of coming back from a night of crime fighting. He's going back to his dorm room. He grapple hooks up and goes through the window and he ends up being accosted by some uh, intruders and he gets kidnapped. So now Batman has found out that Robin is kidnapped and he gets a visitor in Ra's al Ghul who knows who he is and has gained entry to the Batcave and he has told Batman that his daughter has also been kidnapped. So this begins a long journey of Batman going with Ra's al Ghul and Ubu 
to find Robin and Talia Al Ghul. And we find out that Tal- that Talia and Bruce have a history, although we don't know what yet at this point in the show. And then, uh, yeah, it's kind of a, a world travel to to find these two and to to bring them back and rescue them but along the way everything is not as it seems uh Roz has an encounter where he is uh lowered into the Lazarus pit we find out the about all about the wonderful Lazarus pit that we I don't think we had experienced before up until this point in the animated series and going into the second ep- episode we find out that Roz is immortal because of the Lazarus pit and he continues to heal himself and to come back, but it, it drives him insane when he first takes the plunge and he comes back and confronts Batman. There's a giant battle between the two. And at the end, um, Batman escapes Ra's al Ghul as the place explodes. We think this is the end of Ra's, but at the very end of the episode, we discover that no, Ra's is still around. So Joe, that's kind of just a brief synopsis. We'll get into it deeper, but tell me what you thought of these two episodes of Batman, the animated series. Well, I have to uh, correct you a little bit because when you said that we didn't know the history of Talia and uh, Bruce. They actually did exactly what was done in the comics where Talia is actually introduced in an earlier episode of the animated series prior to this. You know what? You're right. I had forgotten about that, but you're absolutely, and that's, that's partly to do with this watching out of order. I had completely forgotten (laughs) that she had already been on the show. Yeah. So, and you don't realize that, um, so you don't know that she's Ra's al Ghul's daughter. I don't think they mentioned Ra's al Ghul in that episode. Mm-mm. But so you get that. And then again, that's that's exactly how it was in the comics, which is really cool that they did that. But other than that, I mean, these are just great episodes. Um, it's one of the the few times there's a two-parter. It's, you know, we it's, I think, the best one to do a two-parter with because to, to, to adapt these two stories with with Roz and it's it's interesting that you know we talked about this a little bit prior they skip around with the two stories that they adapt with this two parter mm-hmm. so it's a it's a little bit different when you go to the second part here than it is in the book so in in Batman 244 it there's stories that go in between and they're not covered. Like it's it's very odd. They took the two stories from Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams for the adaptation for the animated series episodes, which is great. And they they did a good job of making it seamless. But when you go back and read those two particular issues, because that's what we're always told is the adaptation, it doesn't work very well reading the book. And I had no idea why until today when I took out my old trade of Batman Tales of the Demon. Mm-hmm. And there are three or four stories in between those two that actually include Ra's al Ghul, which I didn't realize. I just assumed Ra's al Ghul went away for, you know, nine uh, issues and then comes back when they find him. And so it was really interesting. I think in that case, I personally feel that the animated series improved on the second part of the story. I don't know how you feel about that. I, I would tend to agree with that. 
Um, I think it takes the better parts of um, Batman 232 and Batman 244 and kind of meshes them. And it kind of cuts out the fat. If that makes any sense. If I, well, if I remember right, there's not much of a battle in the book between Roz and Batman. No, the, the, the battle is more of the, just the cover art, really. Yeah, because they always made such a huge deal of Batman and Roz in a sword fight with their bare chests. And you get to that part in the book and Batman gets bit by a scorpion and then can't fight. <laughs> like it's, it's much different. Yeah, I, I, I like you, pr- much prefer the, um, the version we get in the, in the animated series. Which, what's interesting is Denny O'Neill was the writer on these episodes, was he not? Oh, I didn't realize that. That's awesome if that's the case. I just assumed he got a writing credit because they do say it's an adaptation of the issues. So I'm not positive. But if that is the case, that's awesome. I'm pretty sure that's the case. I could be wrong about that. Um, and, if, and if so, I'm sure someone will correct me. But um, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure he was involved. So maybe, maybe that's a thought he had too. I can clean this up a little bit. Maybe. And it makes it more interesting for a kid's show to see the, you know, the fight. That's, that's what you want is you want some action and it being a two parter, you want it to build to something Mm. and it does. Well, and and one of the things that I left out of the synopsis, but is absolutely key to this is this whole thing hinges upon like the first half of this, the first episode is this whole adventure that they've gone on turns out to be a test because Roz wants Batman to replace him as the head of this organization. He wants him to be the head of the demon one day, which is such a, it's such a, you know, keystone part of Batman and Roz's relationship because that's, I mean, every time you see them going forward in every different medium, that's, you know, that's a sticking point. I remember that coming up in the Arkham games. It's in Batman Begins. You know, it just, it happens a lot. And and we have, you know, we have those issues of the comic. And now, you know, Batman the Animated Series, I think, to thank for that. Because they've become very influential. Oh, and and for us, for most of us, I would assume, just like most of the, most of the villains that weren't in Batman 66... This was our introduction, or for me personally, this was my introduction to Ra's al Ghul. I had never read a comic with Ra's al Ghul in it. I mean, when these when these shows came out and they started focusing on some of these villains that, you know, like I said, weren't in, whether it be Super Friends or Batman 66, like, like Clayface and, and Man Bad and Ra's al Ghul, these were the introductions. And they did a great job of really taking from those stories that introduced these characters and making you realize like no these these might not be the villains you know but these are core villains of batman's history and man i mean what a what a great way to introduce Roz with these two stories and i will say you are correct it was denny o'neill and len ween also got a a a writing credit very nice yeah um so yeah I, i another point i think just a little thing that i'd love to bring up is the kind of confrontations between ubu and batman I love <laughs> right at the beginning when uh, Batman goes to walk in front of Roz and Ubu stops it, you know, throws him down and, and says infidel, you know, nobody, nobody walks before the demon's head. And I love that, that Batman just goes, okay, that's strike one. 
Yeah. <laughs> and that goes through the show because you see, and that's, it's, that's pulled from the comic as well. Because it's modernized. It's, it's more streamlined in the show. I think they did a really good job of just cutting down on the, the wordiness of the time mm-hmm. for the comic. But yeah, the, the actual, you know, plot device of that is straight from the book. Yeah. And, and that's, um, that's one thing that I kind of found funny is because watching the first episode, I think I texted you while I was watching it. And it's, it's a theme that I had been seeing through the previous episodes that we've been watching. I was like, does Batman actually punch anybody in this show? Cause <laughs> yeah. I couldn't remember, I, you know, I, I have memories I felt like, but I didn't know if it was a Mandela effect thing. I was like, I know I've seen this Batman punch people, but the, you know, the three episodes that I had watched up until that point doing this rewatch, yeah, he did a lot of hip tosses and body slams and stuff like that. And I was like, what's going on? Batman hadn't punched anybody. And then finally, in the second episode of this two-parter, he creams Ubu in the face, but it's off screen. <laughs> so you don't see the fist connect, but you know that he punched him. So maybe it's mm-hmm. something that you had brought up. Maybe it's something to do with they couldn't show people getting punched in the face or something like that. But yeah, that was just, it. Just struck me odd. I'm like, this Batman throws a lot of people. Now that you mentioned, I do feel like a lot of the punches do happen off screen with sound effects on this show. It could be, yeah. Um, at which at which I'm fine with. It's just I like to you know I like to see Batman throw a punch every once in a while. So I was glad that he really. He really knocked the crap out of Ubu in the second episode. <laughs> and one thing I do appreciate is that Batman doesn't kill the tiger in this. Yeah, you know, reading the uh, reading the comic, I was kind of I was kind of stunned that he he snapped the the jaguar's neck. Yeah, is that what it was? A jaguar? I apologize. So, and not only that, in Batman two fifty one, he kills that shark too. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's which I guess they're not technically people, so it you can get away with it. Oh uh, yeah, completely yeah. fine. Completely fine to kill you know animals, and I feel like I've read an issue where he killed a dog too at some point. But he um and two fifty one was adapted in uh was it the laughing fish in the episode that part of two fifty one I believe is in an animated series episode where he fight, he battles the shark. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that's right. Yeah. And he does not kill the shark in that episode. Yeah. So, but let's uh, let's talk about the final battle between Roz and Batman. What did you What did you think of this? How, how it played out here on the on the show? Well, again, this is definitely, in my opinion, it's an improvement of the book because, like I said, there's really isn't much of a battle in mm-hmm. the book. Um, here, it's it's you know the two of them squaring off. You, they have it just the iconography from the the cover and from the actual story with them. You know. I love the line of leave. What is it? Leave the cowl. It's a mark of mm-hmm. honor. Yeah. I like that. When Ubu's going to take the mask off of Batman. Yup. He, he probably says mask, not cowl, but I love that. Um, and you actually get to see them have a sword fight where in the book, it just doesn't happen. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. I really love it, but I couldn't help but think at one point and I know I shouldn't think like this, but as the battle was going on, I was thinking, Man, Arrow ripped this off. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, if you listen to those interviews with Neil Adams, mm-hmm. you might hear a reason as to why. Oh, you have my 
Neil Adams was very fond of Arrow. And if you know Neil Adams, <laughs> there's a reason he is fond of certain things. If someone will call him up and ask him a question, he will be very fond of that show. Well, that's awesome. Um, yeah, so uh, Arrow had a lot of respect for Neil Adams, and I think the creators spoke to him at some point and were getting his opinion on Raz al Ghul and what they could do in the show and that kind of stuff. So that was interesting. Uh, so, yeah, I think it was a deliberate take uh, because they were trying to honor this storyline. That's awesome. That's very nice. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, but I mean, as we come to the end of this episode here, you know, we, I, I love the cliffhanger of, you know, is Roz gone? Well, no, maybe not. But I also love the, the kind of will they want, won't they between Talia and Batman. So just kind of a curiosity for me, where do you rank Talia as love interests for Batman? It, it's weird because I, th- I feel like I'm the type of person where if I'm reading a Talia story, she's my favorite. If I'm reading a Selena story, she's my favorite. I, I do love the – I love the way that Batman makes Talia question certain things. And I like this version of Talia more than I like, say, the Grant Morrison version of Talia where she is almost like pure evil. Right. Where I prefer the conflicted Talia. Mm-hmm. Um. I, uh, it's hard to say. Like I love Talia in like the Arkham games. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a different. It's a different dynamic between like someone like her and someone like Selena, or even someone like a Julie Madison, where it's just a, a normal civilian as opposed to someone connected in this life. But I, I love, you know, the dynamic between. Will will they won't they because of Roz's methods and she likes like she says it right in this episode she she believes in what her father believes in but she doesn't believe the methods that's a very Batman thing to say like it's I I understand what you're doing but I cannot get behind those methods and I think that's what makes Talia such an interesting character in this way yeah I think I think that she's. Uh, I'm probably going to make some people mad here. I think she's been such an inconsistently uh, written character. I don't think that's wrong. I th- that's kind of what I was yeah. getting at. I, I she she doesn't rank above Selena for me for that reason because I just think over the years Catwoman and Selena Kyle have been more consistent, at least how they're written. Um, Versus Talia, you know, like you said, you have that, you know, that sympathetic hesitancy sometimes. Sometimes she's pure evil. Some, you know, like some of the stuff she does with Damien is horrible. Well, just the creation of Damien, Damien is pretty horrible. Yeah, it is. And then you, you know, you get into, you know, killing, wanting to kill Damien, wanting to clone him to make a better version. It's just, I don't know. It gets messy. And, and that's why... I can't rank her above Selena. For me, it's always been Selena is Batman's love. Talia is his lust. That's, that's mm-hmm. kind of the way I see it right or wrong. Yeah. But anyway, um, what did you think of that cliffhanger? I thought that was really, really well done, really dramatic. And it really sets up. Okay. You're going to see Roz again. Oh yeah. And it, it's, you know, with the Lazarus pit, you always are, are wondering, you know, how is it going to affect him this time? Mm-hmm. And it's 
the Lazarus Pit is definitely one of those things where it's it does whatever the writer needs it to do in that story. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> but it's yeah, you know he's coming back. Yep. Well, all right, Joe. That's kind of that's kind of where we're going to wrap it up for this uh, coverage of our 30th anniversary Batman the animated series celebration with the Demons Quest. So, Joe, are there any final thoughts on this episode before we move on? No, um, I feel like I asked you this. Was this chosen by anybody? Oh, yes, you're absolutely right. Uh, give me one second. So, yes, thank you, Joe. This episode was chosen by Tom Pensenault. So, thank you, Tom. And he also mentioned that he's a big Ra's al Ghul fan. And this is a great episode if you're a Ra's al Ghul fan. Um, uh, we're, we're lucky, Joe. We've had two straight that we've really enjoyed. Yeah, and um, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what we have to cover next week. Because did we pick... We have not. We didn't pick yet. Nope. What was for this? We week, haven't correct? chosen okay. yet because you know, with everything with Neil Adams, we knew we were going to cover these, and and then um, with George Perez, it just kind of thrown off my game a little bit. But we are going to announce, so keep an eye on our Twitter, and you'll know what to watch for the next episode. Um, but Joe, it's not quite time to leave yet because we actually have two emails from some listeners. So let's get into our emails. The first one is from Matthew Malecki. And he says, Eric and Joe, I absolutely loved the episode on Court of Owls. The discussion was great, and I loved hearing each of your histories with reading and collecting comics. I also started collecting monthlies for the first time when the New 52 began. This was a great jumping on point. I love the history implied with the Court of Owls and the nursery rhyme aspect. The art throughout this this story is perfect. Snyder and Capullo did a fantastic job collaborating. I still think this is the best story they've done together, with the Zero Year being a close second. I am one that didn't care for the Lincoln March twist, but I do like that it's ambiguous enough that you can disregard it if you don't like it. I have read Talon and recommend you guys read it. It's a side story involving the court that isn't absolutely necessary reading, but I found extremely entertaining. I would also recommend All-Star Western from the New 52. It's primarily a Jonah Hex book, but some of it takes place in Old Gotham, and the court is touched upon, which I absolutely loved. I want to see more of the court in its early days. Okay, enough rambling. Keep up the great work on the show, and take care, guys. Your fellow Bat fan, Matt Malecki. All right, Joe, that's a great email. Um, I love the recommendation of All-Star Western because that's a book that I've dove into. I've read it all. It's a really good book. And yes, it absolutely has touches on the Court of Owls and Old Gotham City. So I second Matthew's recommendation. But yes, some great stuff there from Matthew. So I have a... um, (laughs) So Eric sent me this email. Matthew actually sent this in like right after we recorded the last episode, I believe, or, or you know, literally right after um, it dropped. I should it say. It was the morning after so, the release of the follow-up. <laughs> so I actually dove into Talon and all-star Western when, when Eric sent me this email. So I am happy to report that uh, Talon was a really fun read. I, I read the entirety of Talon. Um, very interesting, very cool stuff. Very, you know, expanded, expanded on the history of the court of owls. Um, even ties into all-star Western a little bit, which was really cool. 
Uh, I also dove into All-Star Western. <laughs> I did not finish that series. I've read the first 10 issues so far. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be honest, the Western stuff is not normally my thing, but the Court of Owls stuff and the old Gotham stuff really did pique my interest, and the art is really cool. So thank you, Matthew, for the recommendations. And I also want to uh, welcome Matt to Twitter because Matt just joined Twitter uh, recently and I was able to interact with him a little bit on there because I'm not really active on Facebook as much as uh, I probably could be. So it was nice to see him on there and be able to talk to him about it. But so thank you for the recommendations because that was really fun for me to dive into that stuff. Yes, absolutely. And I totally agree with everything that you mentioned about the Court of Isles. Obviously, I agree with you. I think it's Snyder and Capullo's best story. Um, I do love Zero Year as well. And yeah, the nursery rhyme. I had told Joe we for completely forgot to mention that nursery rhyme when we were talking about the book. And that's a shame because it's so good. It's so creepy. Um, and I love that it's being included with the the new Gotham Knights game. Can't wait to get it. Can't wait to play it and, and see how much lore of the Court of Owls they dive in there. Um, as for the Lincoln March twist, you know, I said during the episode, that's kind of a sticking point for some people, but I'm glad that uh, you, you find it ambiguous too, and you can go with it. So that's awesome. But thank you so much, Matthew, for the email. Uh, it's great hearing from you. And yeah, like Joe said, welcome to Twitter. All right. The second one here came in today. That's why I didn't send it to you, Joe. Um, but it is from... Yeah, I was wondering why you were surprised. <laughs> well, it's from our friend Lee Ankeret. And the subject line says page one of 39. (laughs) (laughs) But it is not 39 pages. So Lee's having a little little joke at our expense. Uh, But he says, hey, both. Hope you're all doing well. I've just got back from a weekend break at the coast and took the obligatory trip to the British Seaside Pier. In the game's arcade, there was a Batman Begins themed slot machine. Normally, I have no desire to play such machines, but obviously I couldn't resist playing simply because Batman was all over it. So I wonder, are there any activities or products that you would never normally have an interest in, but because it was Batman-themed, you couldn't help yourself? (laughs) Thanks for all your hard work, Eric. Thanks for turning up, Joe. You you guys are great. (laughs) Cheers, Lee. (laughs) All right, Joe. Uh, So... Obviously, Lee's having uh, having a little bit of a, a joke at our expense, but that's cool. Love you, Lee. Um, so, with that's an interesting question that Lee poses. Any activities or products that you would norm- never normally have an interest in, but because it was Batman, you couldn't help yourself. Well, I would I would love to say it's a stupid email from Lee. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's. That's a great question, Lee. And honestly, I, I'm so happy you wrote about this because I saw your tweet about it. And I'll be honest with you. I've never seen the Batman Begins slot machine, but I live about an hour and a half from Atlantic mm-hmm. City. And I used to go down there all the time with my wife before we had kids. And, you know, we're able to do that kind of stuff on the regular. <laughs> and the Dark Knight slot machine was awesome. I've never seen the Batman Begins one, but I played the Dark Knight one like crazy. And they also had a Batman 66 one that I was able to play. It wasn't at the casino I normally went to, but I was able to see that a couple times. They have Superman 78 ones down there. They have Wonder Woman's down there. It was, it's I am that guy that like I will be suckered into spending more money because of that kind of stuff. Um, 
But I'm jealous that you have a Batman Begins one because I would have loved to have seen that. Well, I'm going to quote some of our fellow podcasters uh, of recent note. And I'm going to say, Utah, give me two. Because I am also not a gambler. But I have played Batman slot machines. (laughs) So one of the rare (laughs) trips that I thought... I think I was helping my mom move from North Carolina to Texas and we stayed in Mississippi one night and we stayed in a hotel that had a casino and we went down just to check it out and I wasn't really interested. And then I saw, and I want to say this was a old machine. I want to say it was either, it was one of the Schumacher movies. Yeah. Really? Maybe forever, maybe Batman forever. But yeah, I saw that and I was like, yep, that's the gambling machine for me. And it was not the gambling machine for me because I ended up losing $25 and then I quit. So <laughs> the uh, Oh, you're definitely not a gambler. <laughs> Batman uh Batman Forever or Batman and Robin. It it I can't remember exactly which one, but I played that one and it definitely uh, let me down, but so yeah, we we share we share a unique bond there. Um, Lee, all three of us have played Batman slot machines. So any any other stuff though, as far as his yeah, question, I'll like tell any- you uh, one very recently, which I've been talking to you a lot about. I'm I'm not generally a fan of narrative podcasts. I I tried mm. the Wolverine one, and. I kind of liked it, but it kind of lost me at a certain point. Kind of got a little boring, if I'm honest. Um, The only thing close to it that I really, really enjoy is the audio adaptation of um, Sandman. But that's not Mm -hmm. really a narrative podcast because it's basically an audio drama of a book that's already, it it exists. But recently, as you know, because I've coerced you into listening to it, uh, Spotify has released Batman Unburied and that has completely changed the game for me because as once I was not interested in narrative podcasts, I love Batman Unburied. I think it's so interesting. And now you've listened to it as well, Joe. Yeah, I got to agree. And I've never heard that term narrative podcast because I've heard, I've heard it, you know, be, uh, you know, it's, it's obviously, it's advertised as a podcast. And to me, it's just an audio drama. Like that's what I, I feel like they just do it as a podcast now because that's the popular term. Nobody knows what an audio drama is mm-hmm. anymore, but to me, it's, it's like a radio drama more than anything. It's, it's acting out a story. Um, I loved it though. I, it was not what I expected. Um, it keeps you guessing. It's definitely a mystery of what's going on. Uh, what do the episodes drop once a week? I think so. I've listened to four of them so far. I don't know if a fifth one has yeah. released. Yeah, that's I'm at four too. So, yeah, that is. Um, yeah, you recommended it to me, so I think we'll both recommend it to everybody if anyone's interested. Uh, definitely worth checking out. They're like thirty minute episodes, so it's a, a, a easy time commitment. Uh, yeah, I will say the first two episodes will throw you for a loop, but stick with it. Oh, I think I got thrown more for a loop in the third and fourth. Oh, really? <laughs> okay. After what's happened, yeah, because it, it's it's almost like listening to two different podcasts without spoiling anything. It's 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 definitely interesting how they're doing it, and I'm very intrigued going forward. Nice. Well, what about you? Is there anything else that kind of fits this bill? I mean, honestly, I I feel like it's anything. I, I don't know what I wouldn't even be able to narrow it down. Like, 
I'm the guy that buys, you know, Doritos because it it had Wonder Woman on it. You know, like <laughs> even if I don't, I, I'm still mad that we never got the Batman Oreos. Oh yeah, over you're here. right. Well, uh, hey, I know for a fact that and and they don't sponsor us or anything, but you and I have bought uh, Doctor Squatch Batman soap. Yes. Okay. There you go. That's a perfect example. Yeah. So there you are, Lee. Uh, soap. We we got organic yeah. Batman soap. So so that and they got me now too. I even got the Star Wars one. Oh, it's that. great stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Th- thank you so much for the email, Lee. We really appreciate it, and uh, we appreciate your your continued support and your occasional jabs because we all we know it's all in good fun, and we we like to jab back. So thanks, buddy. All right, Joe. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I just hey, he's lucky I showed up because you know. <laughs> well, the Rangers aren't playing. I, I wasn't. I, I I honestly thought that was what the email was going to be. <laughs> was you know he was he was mad because we didn't put out the episode when we when we usually do, and so I I did show up today. Um, even though Eric is holding off my profits for uh for all the you know the money we're making on. This, oh yeah, but, yeah, we're going to be a day late and several dollars <laughs> short. So yeah. <laughs> all right, Joe. Well, that's where we're going to wrap this one up. Uh, thank you for joining me once again. And uh, why don't you let everybody know where they can find you on social media? You can find me on Facebook. Um, I, I did change my name finally to my actual name is Joe Fornerado now on Facebook. Um, and Twitter and Instagram as JForn11. Very nice. And if you'd like to find me, my personal accounts can be found on Instagram and Twitter and now Letterboxd as well at MeCarter89. That's M-E-Carter89. The show, once again, can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at TFR Batpod. If you send those emails in like Matt and Lee did, we will absolutely read them on the show. So just th- send your thoughts, questions, and comments to tfrbatpod at gmail.com. Make sure you take a moment out of your day to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. They really help the show, help us find exposure. And if you leave us one, we will read those on the show as well. Spotify now that we're mentioning it, also has a star rating system now. So if you listen to us on Spotify, make sure you give us a star rating. Let us know how we're doing. If you'd go to redbubble.com, that's another way to support us. We don't ask that you buy anything, but if you do, we greatly appreciate it. And you can go to redbubble.com and search shop TFR, all one word, and you will find our logos on all kinds of merch there. But until we meet again, we want to thank you so much for listening and supporting this podcast. We really appreciate it. And until next time, make sure you keep that bat signal lit and pointed skyward.
get in here. You must forgive Ubu, detective. He is well trained. Allow me to introduce myself. I am he who is called Raish Al Ghul. The demon's head. I thought you were only a legend. I am quite real. And as I am sure you realize by now, my reputation for resourcefulness is well deserved. As you can see, we have a common problem. Your ward was abducted on the same night as my daughter. You do remember my daughter? You're Talia's father? Yes. But surely you would not expect her to mention me by name. <laughs> Keep your distance. I am merely old. Older, perhaps, than you can imagine. But not so old that I cannot assist you in your search. I get the message. Okay, then, for openers. Look at the blade. It's used by a cult of mercenaries based in Calcutta. Even the rope appears to be made of a hemp indigenous to that area. Well done, detective. You are worthy of your reputation. To India, then. Come, I have an aircraft waiting. <laughs> Infidel. Forgive my servant. He feels that no one should precede me. Call it overzealousness. I think I'll call it strike one. Batman was created by Bill Finger and Bob Kane. The Fire Rises, a Batman podcast, is in no way associated with Warner Brothers Discovery or DC Comics. The thoughts and opinions expressed by the participants are solely theirs and do not represent the companies that they work for. Thank you for listening. Editing galore on this episode. Yeah. <laughs> we are not prepared. We missed a couple days. It all goes to hell. Yeah, no kidding.